Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, or whatever to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. Smash that like button. <laughs> you can Smash that follow button. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our website, oldthehorrorpodcast.com. I'm going to go all Murtaugh. Smash, for this shit. smash that like button. Oh, it drives me <laughs> nuts. I'll yeah. hear a video on YouTube. Yeah. And be like, and I don't care what your uh, video's about. Oh, Bye. I'll be all into it. And then I hear, don't forget to smash that like button. Smash that button. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to mow my lawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, man. Cranking these out. Yeah. Yeah cranking these out because we're uh we're gonna be separated for another two weeks we are yeah for those who may be remotely curious my mother's doing well two weeks into her treatment yep and uh we're very happy and blessed about it and we need uh two more weeks of well wishes good thoughts and prayers as she climbs up into the dosage of her treatment yep and uh, if we're all clear on the fourth week, which will be two weeks from now, yep. uh, I'll return back home, <laughs> back to a sense of normalcy, uh, especially with the podcast. Yeah. So, but yeah. More we're... importantly, the uh, creative director will will get his life back. I think the one who's been affected by this the most is the creative director. Is the creative director. Yes. You know. uh, HR, unfazed. HR, unfazed <laughs> i actually came in today i was like hey boots <laughs> hey booty teakers go to pet her and she's just like what are you doing here oh oh my god you're don't, still a thing don't tell me you're back because my mom and i have had it good for two weeks <laughs> oh she's been pouring it on oh, thick oh my god so yeah if you hear this actually there's one week left ish yes. or no yeah. we're all done Okay. Yeah. So thanks for the good thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 87. Yeah. The Process Church of the Final Judgment. It just rolls off the tongue. Most of them do. They, they, you know, they really do. It's like their special gift, these cults. They're like, hmm. Yeah. We need a name. What's in a name? Okay. Well, you know, we're going to go through these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like a process? Okay. All right. We'll yeah. keep that. And I mean, we're going to be well, like official. The thing is, is so it started. We'll be a church. <laughs> yeah. It, it started out as the process. It did. And the rock hard members that are the originals. The OGs. The OGs, so to speak. They, they still call, still it, the call it the process. Which, if I'm being honest, I like so much better and they could have really just stopped there. It's a good name. And it's also, uh, it's it's pretty smack dab on. What's our name? The process. What do we do? The process. No. <laughs> What's our name? The process. What do we do? I don't know. 
that's really it's what it is. The in process. This, you know, <laughs> so the process, uh, Church of the Final Judgment. They have a logo that looks pretty it's swastika. A, it's type, supposed to be four P's, but it's four but P's. It is seriously it's swastika four, adjacent. It's four P's connected together, but the bottom part bells out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that gives it a Iron Cross type look, which I think the Iron Cross got a bad shake because of the Nazis, because the yeah. Iron Cross was used for a long time. Yes. For a long time. Before things they corrupted it. Yeah. And this is where I hate. This is why I can't stand like one person or group of people destroying something for a lifetime. Yes. Forever. Right. Yes. Uh, I think I think that's a it, there should be like a. Uh, an agreed upon shelf life right. for things, you know, like, okay, like you know what? Like the name Adolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one can have that no one's ever again. Going in, or the mustache, yeah. you know. No well, one's... I mean, let's be honest. Aside from Adolf and Charlie Chaplin, there weren't that many dudes. Oh, it's not like it was mustache. a trendy, trendy thing, yeah. but I feel bad for. I don't for, think there's any love lost. I feel that. bad for Charlie Chaplin. Cause like here you have yeah. genius. Yeah. You know, film genius and, and storytelling yeah. genius. And then you've got this other, I mean, I hate to say it, you got to call him a genius, but it's not in the best light right. at all. Yeah. <laughs> See, a diabolical genius. Yeah. 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 No, that, yeah. that fits. But I think like there should be whatever the number is, a 50 year shelf life. I think after everyone's died off. Yeah. You know, from that era, mm-hmm. you could say, all right, you know what? Starting today, if you want to do the mustache or if you want to do Adolf, don't do it all together. Right. Because it's still. You got to do it in pieces. It's still a stigma, you know. But, like, if you want to just, you know, if there's something with the Iron Cross that you connect to that was done before Mm -hmm. World War Mm -hmm. II, okay, we'll give you that. You know, you want to call your kid Adolf because you did, what is it, the genealogy thing was it 23 and me or oh there's several of them yeah yeah you know but you do that there was an ancestor you saw 400 years ago his name was adolf and yeah you know yeah i think sources sources i got plenty i have sympathy for the devil the process church of the final judgment the documentary from youtube it's on youtube yeah um and that's how you guys find it, PSM, by the way, if you want to watch it. Which, I mean, if you've got an hour and 45 minutes to kill. Yeah. And you want to know <laughs> just how weird this really gets, yeah. highly recommend it. And then I have Sinister Scenesters, A Brief History of Process Church's Time in the French Quarter by Allison Fensterstock. And I did briefly jump over to the wiki just for um like spellings and mm, chronology mm-hmm. well you can watch online through theprocessmovie.com oh you yeah, can that'll funnel money towards the process so if you're kind of uncomfortable with that yeah definitely watch you could watch on it on YouTube. youtube and maybe you got to just deal with some ads you know some light ads uh i did the wiki just to kind of get a uh, uh an architecture set up then there's uh, the processians.co.uk where they actually have the writings. Very simple text format uh, dated from 67. 
Okay. The actual writings and, and rules of the process and guidelines from Robert D. Grimston. Okay. Uh, Which really, Robert when, Grimston, when we get down know. to it, was Marianne. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that's what you end up learning later. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, let's see, burningambulance.com. I got some stuff off of. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Burning ambulance? Burningambulance.com. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. No, they got podcasts. They do reviews. They do st- like blog stories of uh, a bunch of people and a bunch of things and Fair stuff enough. like that. So they they did a write up on this, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, and this was uh, also, um, let's see, there's a Facebook page, the of, Process of Church course. of the Final Judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for the New Prussian Order, which is a music band. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I read some David Berkowitz stuff. You know me, I'm all over the place. Yeah. So. Okay. Basically, we'll get into, commonly known again, it's the Process Church of the Final Judgments, the original name. The common known name is Process Church. They had another name, and then they changed it. So So we'll move on. All right. Well, I was going to say, do you want to dive into this? Yeah, you can you can run off with it. Between yes. the late 50s and the mid-60s, L. Ron Hubbard created and presented the fast-growing worldwide Church of Scientology from an 18th century manor house in Sussex, about an hour's travel from London. Among the Britons attracted to the movement's eccentric teachings, which, <laughs> okay, were Robert Moore, a young architecture student at the Royal Polytechnic Institution in London, and his future wife, a Glasgow native named Marianne McLean. McLean, in particular, seems to have excelled at Scientology coursework, soon becoming an auditor, which is a counselor leading one-on-one sessions with pre-clears or beginner Scientologists. Mm-hmm. After, But after less than two years, the couple broke with the group. The doc had Robert... Um, auditing her, which is how they met, and then she quickly ascended to an auditor herself. They had not, however, lost interest in the idea of an alternative route to psychological and spiritual growth and developed a therapy technique called compulsions analysis, which was modeled in part on auditing and also the made use of the e-meter, which is a polygraph-like device Scientologists employ during auditing sessions, the off-label usage got more in McLean declared suppressive persons, uh, toxic personalities to be avoided by Hubbard. So Moore and McLean changed their last name to the rather lordly and mystical-sounding de Grimston and set up shop in swinging London where compulsions analysis morphed into the process later, the process church of the final judgment. Also, wasn't it true before we get too big into the, uh, he he was married and had a couple of children, Robert He was, was married when they met. And, yeah. and he left him for Marianne Correct. in Scientology. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Good times. It gets only, it only gets better. It just keeps getting better. It sure does. Um, 
So as their name implies, it was supposed to be a more faith-driven tone. Yeah. The process's theology was based around a trio of God figures, Jehovah, Lucifer, and Satan, plus their emissary, Christ. Each, as an archetype, represented different personality elements that acolytes, of which there were soon many, might identify. So, for example, if you were a member of the church and you identified with Lucifer's teachings, then you were of Lucifer, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Well, what they did is they formed basically, like they weren't really bothering anybody. Mm-mm. People were just letting things go around, especially right. in London and England. Mm-hmm. But then Robert started saying there was a trinity, and he said the trinity was Lucifer. Jehovah and Jehovah, Satan. Jehovah, no, it was Lucifer, Jehovah, yeah, Jehovah and Satan. Yeah. And that was like the Trinity. Yeah. And that just like everybody's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Goodbye. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's when they started becoming this breakout yeah. group. Yeah. That's when they definitely went from, you know, just being another group to being on the fringes. Yeah. A breakout group. So definitely. the Processians produced radio and TV shows as well as newsletters, books, and magazines espousing an increasingly apocalyptic philosophy that members sold in the streets as they proselytized to potential converts and donors. They spent the rest of the 60s and 70s moving from London to Nassau to Mexico to the U.S., eventually establishing chapters in multiple cities throughout Europe, the United Kingdom, and Canada. And in 1967, they did uh, set up a shop in New Orleans. So let's get to their beliefs. In the initial phase of the group's beliefs, Moore and McLean taught that there was only one supreme divinity, God, and the focus of the group's activities was to transform those aspects of human nature which defied God. Many of the group's therapeutic practices or processes, hence the name, the process, Mm -hmm. and concepts were derived from Scientology, including the term processing. In these therapy sessions, the group utilized an electronic meter titled the P-scope, which was the Scientology E-meter. I mean, just because you call it P-scope doesn't make it No, it was a a ripoff. Yeah. So in 1967, Moore introduced the notion of four divinities to the group's belief. Beliefs. The process church preached the existence of four gods who were regarded not as literal entities, but as inner realities existing within each human personality. Accordingly, these deities were not worshipped. The names of the deities were drawn from traditional Judeo-Christian religion. They were known as Jehovah, Lucifer, Satan, and Christ, and were collectively, collectively referred to as the great gods of the universe. The church stated that Jehovah is strength, Lucifer is light, Satan is separation, and Christ is unification. Each member was instructed to follow the god or gods which were best suited to them. Each individual was understood as a combination of two of these gods. The church taught that an individual's personality and relationships could be explained by reference to which gods he manifested. More, for instance, described himself as a blend of Luciferian and Christian traits, while McLean regarded herself as a combination of Jehovah and Satanic traits. None of the deities was considered evil, but, quote, basic patterns of human reality, end quote. More taught the real devil was humanity or the gray forces, which were understood as representing the compromise and conformity typical of the masses. 
as, in, as indicated by the group's name, the Process Church of the Final Judgment, the church taught a form of millennialism. According to Process Eschatology, the four separate divinities would be unified in the end times. The reconciliation of opposites was seen by Moore in Matthew 5.44, where Christ tells his followers to love their enemies. Moore taught Christ's enemy was Satan, and the reuniting of the gods was achieved through love. So this is where I'd like to pause a moment. Okay. Because <clears throat> even the uh, the documentary, Sympathy for the Devil, mm-hmm. they really kind of glazed over that point. Yeah. That they were actually achieving, trying to achieve all these things through love. Yes. Uh, they were trying to basically get people together, you know, be this breakaway sect. Mm-hmm. But it was confusing in a lot of ways. And even listening to the members talk about it, it's confusing. Cause well, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, they even, started with, okay, there's God. And then yeah. they're like, oh, wait, no. There's these these three, the, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, Christ is still there. So now it's four. Yeah. So you went from one to three to four. Yeah. It's like. How much Adderall were you on <laughs> when you came up with this? No, and I mean, let's be honest. Even watching the documentary, and I listen to other podcasts that members of th- that time right. were on. They're recent podcasts. Yeah. I'm not going to name them because I hate to say it. I don't really want to give them the air that they crave. Right, yeah. Because... Uh, You'll find out at the end of this. If if this causes you to hit the pause button or stop and move over to a different podcast, it's all I'd say is appreciate the time to just hear me out right, on this because yes. it, it, it does button up, in my opinion, towards the end. Mm-hmm. What you had was a lot of creative bohemian-type folks. Nothing against those type folks. No. But poor organizational skills. Yes. Poor uh, management skills of getting people together. Mm -hmm. It was this group that just got together and whatever the day was, that's what the day was. Mm -hmm. Open thought, open thinking. You got to start from this premise. So they grab all this stuff from everywhere. Yeah. It's a hodgepodge. Yeah. Judaism, Christianity, Mm -hmm. Scientology. Yeah. And what we'll call at the time, like new wave, new age thought. Yeah. Smash that all together. And this is where you get the process. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a similar, they though totally just call different, it a process because it's <laughs> no. not the process. <laughs> a process. This is just a process. A process. This yeah. is a thing you can do. Yeah. Maybe someday. <laughs> but no, I think there's a lot of parallels, not in actual content, but parallels in or unorganization. Yes. With Crowley and the process, mm-hmm. even though they were in different directions. Yeah. It just shows what unorganization yeah. and just lack of vision, I'm going to say. Yep. Because uh, there there was no vision. No. Uh, the original members will disagree and say, oh, you know, there was just tons of vision and tons of, you know. But you had these two people mm-hmm. that were really steering the ship yep. on everything. And you had members that couldn't really think for themselves Yes. Uh, there was very strict rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting like communal life with the church members, very regulated. Sex and the use of drugs and alcohol, with the exception of like caffeine and nicotine, were strictly rationed. 
uh, the practices were regarded as a distraction from spiritual work. Like I give them credit. Like yeah. they were trying in certain areas, but unlike other groups uh, that were active during the same period, uh, the process church did not really practice magic. No. And that's what's different. Like I say, the parallels is disorganization with Crowley. Crowley was all about the magic yeah, and all of that stuff. But, you know, the church held these public rituals that were similar to Christian practices. They did baptisms, marriages, weekly gatherings of uh, like a Sabbath-like type assembly. Yes. Yep. Baptisms were performed at every elevation of status in the hierarchy of the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sang uh, hymns uh, to the four deities. Uh, they had their symbol, which we mentioned earlier, which was the, you know, the superimposed P letters. And they were also seen as representing of trumpets of the four great gods. Okay. And it's just, it's an optics nightmare, you know. Yeah. I mean, no matter, you know. And they also used a sec- second single, uh, sec- symbol, and the sign of, uh, it's the sign of the union, which featured the letter alpha inside the letter omega, representing the intercourse of male Lucifer with female Jehovah. Now, this is where I got to laugh because, like, you hear the the interviews with some of them that are still around and you see the documentaries, and they try with all of their heart to say they're not Satanists. Yes. But yet you've got this symbol yeah. that represents intercourse with a male Lucifer and a female Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't have bastardized Christianity anymore. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's against the whole grain of what a Christian or a Judeo-Christian would think about yeah. and, and consider. And and this is where I got a laugh where they say they get a, like they weren't looked at properly. They weren't represented properly. And it's like, yeah, okay. Maybe. I can but, see how you feel you're not represented properly. But, but when you would, you yourself admit yeah. in the doc that you guys are, are all communally essentially screaming Satan or yeah. at least saying Satan hail Satan so loud that the surrounding buildings can hear you. Yes. And you're like, yeah, you know, we never took that into consideration. Y- yeah. And then they wonder why they got chased out of every place. Essentially they went. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not surprised by it at all. Well, and this is where I was so glad that Scott, recommended this one mm-hmm. because like pretty much up to date cult of the month it's been pretty like steered direct like yep group of people get together yep. they get a movement started mm-hmm. there's this one kind of shifting point where shit gets crazy yes and then it's just basically this tumbling ball right. on fire going down to a village on the bottom you yeah, know and, yeah. and it's a, this cookie cutter deal where the process i was so happy to see it because it really takes the break of that story mm-hmm yeah. And, and these guys went on a different path with things. <laughs> they like I said, went on a different journey. Yeah. And the funny part is, is like they they got kicked out of England, basically. They no did. No one wanted to deal yeah, with them. Yeah, they were like, goodbye. Everywhere they went. Yes. No one wanted them there. Yeah. So uh, they when they, London was like, you guys got to either fix this something, yeah, do something. Yeah. They were like, okay. Let's all get together and we'll meditate. And, and you know, we should probably pick like an island somewhere. So in their group meditation, they're like, oh, we'll go to the Bahamas. So they go to Nassau. 
And as soon as they get to Nassau, like, they weren't even there, like, days. Mm-hmm. And Nassau's like, you got to go. Yeah. So then they were like, okay, well, let's do another meditation. And that meditation said they should go west. So in September 1966, the group members moved to Mexico City. They held another meditation because, again, they're in Mexico City. And Mexico City's like, keep moving along. Yeah. Moving. How many times do you have to be kicked out of a place before you actually stop and just like take a second and be like, hey, why is it everywhere we go, all of these people are like, no, this isn't, you're not doing this here. I used to ask myself that same question all the time until I got into these stories of cults. And the the reason that never happens is group dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're alone and you're on the side of the street mm-hmm. and you're doing your thing mm-hmm. and everybody thinks you're nuts and you encounter everybody and you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe these people are right. Maybe I am nuts. So now there's a choice there. You can either take the comfort that everyone knows you're nuts and you're like, that's the way I am. So I guess and I'm people, nuts now. So I'm nuts now. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be the cat person or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. or you try to maybe swim your way into something else, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But groups are tough because if you got, say that same person I just gave an example of, and they're out doing their thing, but then they go into their loft or their studio mm-hmm. apartment and there's 10 others mm-hmm. that are exactly the same. It's tough now. Yeah. Now you're getting into peer pressure of groups because even if you have that thought that maybe I should do something different, you could have that, that person could have that talk with themselves all the way back to their studio. Mm-hmm. And then the moment they walk through the door, now they have a decision they have to make. Right. The decision is, do I share this information with this group? Right. Because what they're going to tell me is I'm being crazy. Yes. So now I've got two yep. people telling me I'm crazy or they're going to tell me, fuck them. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Hang with your crazy. Hang with us. We'll take care of you. Now, that's the tough part of the group because that person can't have that honest conversation of maybe I need to do something else because the group's going to be like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything different. You're you. Mm-hmm. We love you for who you are. And now you're stuck in that group, even if you have some rational thought. So when you're traveling around in a group like that, it's not going to happen. Right. They're going to travel around until they're accepted somewhere. Right. That's what they're going to do. And lo and behold, that's what happened. They went over to Haight-Ashbury. They did. Where every fucking loon bat in the world had a platform. Right, yeah. And I think the Haight-Ashbury experiment, and I like to call it an experiment, Mm -hmm. because it really was a social experiment, where people took over a block or a certain area Mm -hmm. and anything and everything goes. The weirder, the better. It's the anti where all of the anti-established, all of the anti-whatevers could go to. And everybody might say from that era, well, hey, man, that was a great thing, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't last. Right, yeah. It didn't last at all. But that's what happened with these guys. Because at the core... I mean, like the writings that the Process Church has, they have these overall 
all documents mm -hmm. that he wrote out. Very Scientology. Right. Which was kind of tough because we're doing Scientology later. Right, yeah. Um, that's kind of a crescendo for the year. I think everybody's we're building to something. Everybody's putting you guys, that together. You guys, yeah. uh, well, and these are all child projects of Scientology to Essentially, a yeah. And this one really grabs from it the most, you know, because it has these documents that you go through. And there's like the logics is one. And it's, you know, he's got documents on responsibility, limitations, intention, encounter intention, reality and acceptance, resistance, testing, hostility. These are all like documents that you read. This is from the processians.co.uk. Right, yeah. uh, the Tide of the End is a title. And there's a phase one, as it is. Phase two, freedom from the mind, the two-pole universe, the hierarchy, the game of the gods, Christ. So it's these layers of thing that you right. get through. You read these documents and there's really nothing wrong with them. Right. I haven't read all of them. So somebody comes back and says, what the fuck? You know, yeah. I, I didn't read all of them. I, I browsed through a good chunk of them. And my goal wasn't looking at that because like Aleister Crowley, you read his stuff and you're like, holy shit, this yeah. is fucked up. Yes. You know, you read Scientology stuff and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is fucked up, you know. And then you get like this where it's like, all right, yeah, it's kind of like the Church of Satan. Mm -hmm. Like you read that. If you took all the Satan stuff out right, and just yeah. read their Ten Commandments or whatever, they got 12 or 15 because they couldn't some, have 10 because yeah, they're anti the yeah. establishment. but. It's you read them and they're and they're not bad. I mean, right, there's a yeah. couple of them that you could have a really functional debate on, mm -hmm. and they'd probably lose in a group of people, right? You know, just a random sampling. But for most of them, they're the pretty common sense, straightforward, straightforward yeah. things that you would expect people to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and those writings are fine. But you get a group of people that do weird things, like you know now. You have these two that are pretty much running the show on this. You got Marianne and um, Robert, Robert, who are steering the ship. All decisions are being made from Marianne and Robert, yes. which mostly is Marianne, right? And everybody really worshipped her as a deity. Yeah, she was the goddess. Know. Oh and yeah, Robert was the Omega. And you hear all the members talk about her, and they just dote over her like she's a divine person. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and. Uh, I get that she had a, a presence, obviously, because yes. everyone was affected by it. Yes. But what you do have is a lot of people who weren't thinking for themselves. This was the problem with the process. This yes. is why I was asking people to hang on, you know, because yeah. this is the problem with the process. You've got two people making the decisions for everybody and everybody's okay with that. Right. Yeah. And when I mean decisions... You can't do this. You can't do that. Right. All the way up to marriage and who you can have sex with. Yeah. They would arrange marriages and who you could have sex with. Meanwhile, Marianne would have sex with whoever. Whoever. Yeah. yeah. And this is, sorry, you're in a cult. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. When somebody's telling you who you can marry, who you can't marry, mm -hmm. and that's where somebody will give me shit because I go to a Catholic church or something. It's like, look. Father's not telling me who I should marry and who I, I mean, you and I've lived together for a decade and a half. Yeah. And he just looks and goes, yeah, it'd be nice if you guys got married, but still look forward to you seeing on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not anything like that. And this is where I got to laugh where you get a group of people that leave 
the establishment, yeah. the status quo. Yeah, fighting against everything. Fighting against everything. And they get together in a group and it just shows how these values really hold people together. Mm-hmm. Because all of these groups disintegrate. Yeah. They disintegrate bad. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening with these guys. They were getting married. They were having kids. Yeah. And then the religion, Marianne, when I say the religion, Marianne and Michael yeah. were basically saying, you can't be around your kids. Right. So now you're raising, which is very, very Scientology. Scientology. Yeah. Um, again, I hate to be cryptic with it because we're waiting on the Scientology episode. Of course it's coming. Um, and you won't have to wait long, thankfully. Right. You know, yes. but uh, but basically that's very Scientology. Yes. And, and you know, even the, I really love the transparency and honesty of the Sympathy of the Devil documentary where they're like, yeah, that was no way to raise kids. Right, yeah. You know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. But yet when they start talking about their kids, they're like, oh, yeah, no, they're great. They're mm-hmm. they're they're geniuses and they're blah, 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 this and blah, blah. It's like, okay, so you said you didn't raise your kid at all and it was a terrible situation. Yeah. And they even confessed on there that, yeah, there's probably some lifetime scarring that they got from all that. Yes. But then in the same turn, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I got these two great kids and blah, 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 you know. And that's, I think, the process in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like they're, oh, we're this, but we're also this. It was confusion. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. That's what the process was, was to confuse you. It was a simple act of rebellion. Once yeah. these folks got all through their 20s and got it out of their system, the process was gone. Pretty much, yeah. You yeah. know, and and so they go over to hate ashbury well, are we going to talk about their time when they were in Mexico? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'm sorry. I went on a time. <laughs> so they held another uh, meditation and saw that from Mexico City, they were to move east. And they all saw the same structure. They obtained an old bus and began driving across the Yucatan Peninsula to a pla- to for a place to settle. They found a location known as Jotul, and its name meant the end in the Mayan language. And the group took this as a portent and that that's where they should settle. So obviously they all saw an old factory as the place of their settlement and got approval from the owner to stay there, but it was little more than a lean-to. And the only communication that they had was with the British consul that had a shortwave radio. Mm. So they set about establishing a community, although they would remain there for a month. They faced opposition from both locals, from the parents of several church members who enlisted anti-cult groups to try and recuperate their children through legal means. And it was while there that the group clarified its hierarchical structure, that the de Grimstons at the top were referred to as Robert the, was the Omega, Marianne is the goddess, followed by those regarded as masters, then priests, then prophets, and finally messengers. In late September, a tropical hurricane devastated their settlement, and while some of them elected to stay, the Grimstons and most of their followers decided to leave. The Yucatan experience remained an important part of the process church's own mythology because they were saying that during the hurricane, they again did another mass uh, meditation, Mm -hmm. and they, like, covered up the the doors and they were able to quote unquote weather the hurricane and luckily for them 
the tropical storm or Hurricane Inez changed course. And that's what essentially saved them because they were on an island. There was there was n- nothing to block yeah. the hurricane. They would have all been killed. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. The Yucatan, um, after that point, there would be a crucial division within the group between those who had gone through the Hutul experience and those who did not. Always at their side were large German shepherds. It was stated that the group were very thin, virtually starving, yet the dogs, while thin in appearance, seemed to be, for all intents and purposes, well taken care of. Yeah, there's actually, it was mentioned in the documentary that the dogs were taken better care of than the kids. Yes, and the dogs accompanied them everywhere. The largest dog was a big black shepherd named Satan, and then there was a white shepherd named again, Lucifer. Yeah, again, not Satanist, but, Mm-mm. you know, they didn't name any of the dogs Jehovah, did they? Or <laughs> uh, Maybe. Maybe we they, don't. All of the dogs. Maybe we don't know everything. All you of know. the dogs had biblical names. Yeah, yeah. So the DeGrimstons, who were known together as the Omega, settled into a house in Sladell. Um, that was after Haight-Ashbury. Do you want to get into Haight-Ashbury before we go to... Uh, the French Quarter? I think Haight-Ashbury, the big thing to put in there is that's when they finally started getting acceptance was there. Mm-hmm. That's when the movement really started. They were wandering around trying to find mm-hmm. home. They found it in the States there, but they had a, they had a pl- pretty clever effort of gathering people. And in the States, what they would do is make a massive effort to push people away from them, mm-hmm. make it incredibly difficult. And their deal was, is the ones that pushed through were the ones accepted into the group. I get that. And that's really how they did their kind of recruiting, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and I mean, as far as a group standpoint, if you have a core belief of things that you think you believe in and all that, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool that you're pushing people away from it. Yeah. But what you're getting is the real devoted. Um, you're getting the zealots. Yeah, the devoted zealots, and you know, sure they'll be good. Uh, they'll be good in some areas, but in other areas, you know, those are those are tough people to deal with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is where they had this whole Christ and Satan were given equal prominence type thing again, which was super divisive. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, continue over to uh, the French Quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, you know, here they are in the middle of hippie hate Ashbury, and these guys are everything but hippies. And that's what. Yeah, they... that's what made them st- stand out, though. And that's what made yeah. them gather people. Because here's these guys in these, uh, like, purple no one. And black Purple robes. and black robes. And, yep. you know, they've got the goatees, and uh, they've just got this look. Right. That yeah. no one else has. And, and, it, and, like I said, in an area where all. Uh, all rebellion and, and everything is accepted there. You know, yeah, you got these people walking around and people just gravitate to them. Like, right, what are yeah. these people about? And then you hear right. what they're talking about. And it's like, oh, you're against everything too, man. You know, yeah. how do I get in? You know, and they just get the fuck they're away like, from me. They're like, you don't. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> get away from me, you know. And, and that's basically what they were doing. Oh, I was like, is, are those... Like, 
these cars? Is that an ice cream truck? Yeah, like, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard with the headphones. So the bulk of the church's activity took place in the French Quarter in yeah. rented spaces on Royal Street and later at 627 Ursulines Street. And even in their distinctive black and purple robes ornamented with big clunky pendants in the shape of four interlocking stylized peas, the evocative swastika, they fit in well in the colorful French Quarter scene of the late 60s, which was rife with bohemian activity. They even had competition in their evangelizing. D. Eric Bookart, the New Orleans art critic and photojournalist, was a philosophy major at the University of New Orleans at the time and living in the quarter where a group called the Bodhisattva Buddhists with a psychedelic bent had established a stronghold among hippie seekers before the Processians arrived. The Bodhisattva were LSD Buddhists with a strongly localized flair a much more cohesive, community-grounded organization than the process, Bookhart recalled. Their rituals were always great parties in the French Quarter, ostensibly religious rituals with drumming and dancing into the night. It was great. The process was clearly a much more sinister invasion. Uptight, acid-freak, would-be messiahs. They weren't very successful in recruiting. They didn't have any of the grassroots appeal Bodhisattva had. He liked the main processians he met, Englishman Hugh Mountain and Timothy Wiley, the art director for Process Publications, who published a memoir of his time with the cult in 2009. Well enough, but he wasn't sold on the teachings. Their unity of Satan, Lucifer, and Jehovah philosophy was really a just simplistic rehash of Carl Jung, he said. But I think they liked the theatrics of the nomenclature. They were all about theatrics. Yes. I mean, like I said, from the dress to also they were really good at the time. Like everybody's got to understand like newsletters were the way to get your word out with things. Mm -hmm. uh, and they would do these flyers and newsletters and, uh, you know, not newsletters, obviously, in the email sense. But like they would hand mm -hmm. these papers out to everybody or they'd leave them out in places and. They had musical artists that were found. Like, I never knew that George Clinton from the P-Funk All-Stars was this knee-deep in with them. Yeah. Like, he was at their, sh they were at his shows and yeah. stuff like that. And then he was, like, singing songs that were, like, that I didn't know. And, like, I was mad at myself. I felt like I should know this, being, like, a right. music junkie. There was I, a Beatle that was into him. Yeah, They yeah. never named specifically No, they never it named was. it, and that's where I wonder if it's kind of off- if you it's know, even accurate. Yeah, you know, I don't know. But I know the whole, like, Mick Jagger thought they were terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, like, he even came right out and said that, like, they're they're awful people, you know. And just, like, <laughs> and that was, like, the borderline. I think that's why they that's ultimately. something. I think that's ultimately why they left England. Because, like, at that time. Yeah. I mean, the Rolling Stones were getting to be pretty freaking huge. Yeah. You know, and when you have a, Mc, Rolling a prominent Stones member, saying, yeah. right, it's not like the drummer did it or something, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, the like you had the lead the singer, of the Rolling Stones, Stones, like, Stones being terrible. like, they're terrible. They're terrible human beings and a terrible group. And, uh, you know, something like the devil incarnate. I don't know what it is. I can't yeah. quote it, but, but it just, uh, yeah, so that's what put them on the run through all this, and they end up in through the French Quarter, and and uh, through all this time, yeah, this is where like Robert and Marianne are taking a hold 
of these members, mm-hmm. these core members, these core people. And, uh, you know, they, uh, she would orchestrate these strange orgies. Yeah. She would get, you know, all this going she, again, arrange marriages mm-hmm. and they would have children. They had no idea how to raise them. No. Cause they're just people walking the earth, just doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Pretty much. You know, yep. and, uh, they would only be able to see the children once a week. And this is where they were raised in this collective, mm-hmm. uh, away from biological parents, which every cult can show you that this doesn't work. Yeah. But they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Because somehow everybody has it in their head that no, the collective. this time, this time. Yeah, it's they weren't work. doing it right. But yeah. it's like everybody thinks the collective, the collective, the collective. It's like there is not a single example <laughs> where the collective worked. None. Send it to OTH at seriouslydecent.com. Send me the email with the links. Yeah. Recommend me the book I got to read. Please. Again, Lizard Illuminati, I'm still waiting. No freaking emails. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I got a couple links from Scott on Facebook, and both of them were. That's what I like about Scott. Like, one's like, it shows where it's full of shit. Did you see that? No. So it was the girl from Fast and Furious. I forget her name. Um, it's the one that Paul Walker hooked up with mm-hmm. in the series and had the kid with and all that. Yeah. You know, the one I'm talking yeah. about, forget her name, but supposed to be, uh, who's his face's sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dom Toretto. She's yeah. family. So, yeah. So basically there's an interview she's doing and like her eyes like flutter weird mm-hmm. and, and I had to laugh cause even the fluttering weird thing could mean Eight million things, lighting, yeah. all that type of stuff. But then the guy who received it on the video that was sent on, you know, sent on or posted on the group, the guy said, "I watched the old, the original one, and it didn't have it, so it's doctored." Right. It's like you know, okay, okay, whatever, you know. And then there was another video where it was semi compelling, you know, but not, you know, still not enough to to phase me out. But, but again, like this is this whole collective thing where, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't freaking work. No. You know, and they're holding strong and then they're going through town to town. Yeah. So what happened was when they were in new Orleans, yeah. there was a breakaway Yeah, where, um, the Omega and other core members continued to travel the world, setting up new tra- uh, mm-hmm. chapters. Whoever was left in New Orleans, apparently they continued to do fairly standard church work. Yeah. There's mentions of the process in mainstream local news from the early 70s yeah. and includes a party for patients at a children's hospital, a Thanksgiving meal served to the needy, and a Christmas caroling party. Yeah. And according to Wiley's book, Love, Sex, Fear, Death, the inside story of the Process Church of the Final Judgment, the DeGrimstons, living just outside New York City at the time, divorced in 1975. And Robert returned to New Orleans alone to focus on hosting seminars. Yeah, and then this is this is also where things got crazy because now you've got the whole satanic thing blows wide open. Mm-hmm. And it's with the murders... With, with the Manson. Son of Sam no, with Manson. Manson, yeah. Charles Manson comes through and they had the murders and, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that stuff. But he was talking about how he was following the process church. Yeah. And that instantly just blew the process church 
into yeah. Crazyville. Yep. And th- all the members say ever since then, it just never worked out. It never came back. Yeah. I mean, it's just they damaging. They even printed um, an interview with Manson. Yeah. On their, it was in a magazine or uh, a newsletter. Yeah. They had an interview because it was an issue on death and they were like, well, who knows death better than Manson? And it's like, really? And then all of a sudden they were like, yeah, you know, that probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Like I said, lack of direction, total lack of direction on everything. And, and, uh, and then you had the son of Sam with Berkowitz and Berkowitz goes on air and this is where a lot of people hear about the process church mm-hmm. because there's the Netflix documentary on son of Sam, mm-hmm. but it's not really son of Sam. It's this investigator, this news reporter mm-hmm. that just had it up his ass to, I forget his name. Uh, um. But he, he was basically hung on the idea in short form is he was hung up on the idea that it wasn't just Berkowitz committing the murders, right? That it was a group of them. Mm-hmm. And this group got together with the process church and Berkowitz led them on that trail a bit. Mm-hmm. And everybody just doesn't know, you know, there's no warm conclusion to the documentary. Cause right. the tough part is, is this case basically killed him yeah. and put him into loneliness, divorce, just mm-hmm. like it consumed him. And that was the cool story of that whole documentary was it consuming him. But there is some pressing evidence and witness accounts that were saying like, yeah, he couldn't have done it by himself. Right. Yeah. So there's these others. And then he went down the path of, well, who could the others be mm-hmm. and why would they go around killing people? Right. You know, and you know, cause it's easy to just rationalize one person and put them in the crazy serial killer, Yeah. you know, just total weird fucking crackhead, mm-hmm. just monster. Well, it's, you know, it's but when you get a group of people nice, now involved, yeah, now you get a group of people say it's two or three or whatever, and now then they're you finding got a problem. Yeah, and then they're finding out that they were potentially meeting at this spot, yep. that there were sacrifices, and this all falled in with the process to a certain degree, mm-hmm. and and this is where you know it really started breaking apart, and then that's when Robert and Marianne parted ways. Through yep. I don't know exactly when through all this, but Mary in nineteen seventy five. Yeah, Marianne was basically getting sick of Robert. Yeah. And she wanted to form this new group. And Robert had an affair with another member. Yep. And Marianne got pissed and that was enough for her to get it's out of it. It's funny there. because she was having orgies with whoever oh, she she's wanted. Banging around with anybody, but yeah. she gets pissy about you know yeah. she gets pissy about this stuff, you know. And like I said, the cult ultimately becomes the boogeyman during this satanic panic. And uh, the original members claim they didn't do anything that would be called criminal. However, the process damaged them terribly, you Mm -hmm. know. And this gets back to this communal collective thing, you know, where it just, you get stuck in this group. And like I said, you can go out, do your little stumping on the corner, Mm-hmm. And you got everybody telling you you're fucking loon bat crazy. And if you didn't have this group and you were by yourself, you would maybe have that conversation on the walk home back to your house or your apartment or studio or be whatever. Like, you know what? Maybe like, I am. You know, maybe I need to take up painting or something like that. Yeah, or, maybe or I just, should just do something better. Yeah, just something else. Not yeah. even better, worse, just something else. But then you come into the 
the the collective and you come in there and they just suck you right back in and you just won't leave it because without this group you have nothing yeah and that's devastating to a person that's in that situation to begin with mm -hmm. because they're in there to be in the collective yeah they're in there for the support but it's kind of like the battered wife battered husband type thing mm -hmm. where it's like yeah i go home because that's what i have but what I have fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, and you're just doing this circle. And uh, that's where I think it's funny with these. Uh, do you have additional stuff or? I mean, not really. I, I think it's funny that these members join these cults to break away from the establishment. Yes. But what they end up doing, you know, is they do a deprogramming of what they would consider normal existence. Mm hmm. And the problem is, is they dive right into another establishment. Yeah, they create an, a new establishment. Yeah, you're just going from yeah. one establishment to another. You haven't broken any new ground, Copernicus. Yeah, and the worst part is, is in a cult and these type of establishments, if you don't have the know or wherewithal to make decisions for yourself and you're going in being happy with people making decisions for mm -hmm. you, you're going to live a hard life, period, whether you're because eventually a group's going to grab you. Right. And and in these cults and in these types of groups, you don't have to make a lot or basically any decisions for yourself. And what happens with cult members is they have a hard time in that transition to being in the cult, making no decisions mm -hmm. to making decisions on their own. Right. All the research I've done and all the stuff where I've watched with interviews with ex cult members, they say, this is the toughest part. And even the psychologists say it. Mm -hmm. They say that many cult members claim it takes eight to 10 years or more to come around to actually moving forward in life and making their own decisions. Jesus. It's crazy because you think about it. I use it a lot with weight. Like I have extra weight on me mm -hmm. and I want to get rid of it, mm -hmm. but I know I'm not going to get rid of it in like two, three, four weeks. Right. The reason why is because it's been months I've been putting it on. Right. Yeah. You, you didn't know. put it on. And so that's like weeks. that person that's 400 pounds or whatever, mm -hmm. and they want to get rid of the weight. Well, it took you 10 years to gain the weight, 10, 15 years to gain right. the weight. It's going to take you three, four years to get it off. Mm -hmm. And that's if you work your fucking ass off Correct. every single day, no breaks yeah. on it, huge diet change, everything, everything, you know, and, and that's what happens with the same thing with these cults. You're not making any decisions for yourself. That's like muscle exercise. It's a muscle workout to make decisions for yourself yeah. because you're, you know, this is where I, I get frustrated and you see it all the time when you people who can't make decisions drives me fucking crazy. Yes. It's like, just make a decision. Just make a choice. Yeah. Well, what if I'm wrong? Well, then you're wrong. Yeah. And you learn that that wasn't a good choice. Yeah. Because when people, people who make really good decisions, they have this ability and it's practice because they make decisions all the time. Right. Yes. And what they have is this ability to look at something. And here's the stuff that goes on in the background. What's the risk of this? Mm -hmm. Is it a bad risk period between my two decisions? Right. You know, is and if it's a bad risk, then maybe I got to think about it a little more, but I can't think about it too long. It'll make me crazy. You know, the bad side of it, what's the risk in there? The good side of it, what's the risk in there? Is the good worth the risk payoff? Right. 
right. you know, through all that instead of going to the bad. And all this stuff takes place. And people say, well, I don't have time to make those decisions. It's like, well, then you're going to possibly get into a group where you don't want to make decisions. And all these decisions are made for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. But you haven't worked that muscle out at all for years. You're not working that muscle out of making decisions. It's just like an, a bicep or a waist or, mm -hmm. you know, thighs or, or glutes, your ass, you know. Right. I mean, people who have these massive, awesome asses, they work out on them in gyms right. yes. for, for weeks. And so now when they leave, they're just fucking dumped because, and that's why it's hard for them to leave. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to talk to someone other than talk about this because I've made right. this yeah the forefront of my life for five years, 10 years or whatever the number is. And, and this is what happens when you have no defined group and spread ideas with the intent to confuse. This was all powered by a very manipulative man and woman at the end of the day. And it was a maligned movement. Mm -hmm. You know, the members will claim that it was a terrible experience in many ways, robbing them of the best years of their youth. <coughs> <coughs> However, they'll also claim that it was the greatest experience in their life. Yeah. And like, that's a crazy thing where you're juggling. Yeah. Oh, it robbed all these years, but it was also the greatest experience and I'd never change it, you know, but they'll never claim any responsibility for the outliers and influence the group had on others. Mm -hmm. And this is where I had kind of an epiphanal moment on this. It's like every group has this problem. Where they're like, no, you don't get, you don't get what we're doing. Right. Or they yeah. didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, they listened to you. Yeah. They took what you had. Yeah. And they moved with it on their own. Yeah. Now, what you have to do is sit there and say, yeah, I would have had a lot more respect. And this is where I was asking people to wait to the end. Yeah. I would have had a lot more respect for the process members if they said, yeah, you know, we had something really nice. We had these nice set of rules. Mm -hmm. We had this respect with each other, but it just, it got out of line. And a lot of it was things we said mm -hmm. or things we did, things we didn't do. And just claim some ownership on it. Yeah. Claim some ownership on the Satanism. Yeah. Claim some ownership on maybe they might've been a part of influence on Manson. Yeah. A part of influence on uh, Berkowitz. Right. Yeah. Not saying all of it. Yeah. But maybe out of the 100 pounds, uh, you know, 180 pounds of Berkowitz, right. maybe 10 pounds was some of your shit. Mm -hmm. And I'd have a ton of respect for that because I say it all the time with Christianity and like the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has done some shitty fucking crap. They have. And I'll say it over and over again. Mm -hmm. They have. Mm -hmm. There's no dodge in it. No. But what you're going to have in every group is a perverse wing mm -hmm. that either follows too strong what you're doing or just morphs it entirely and gets off of the power right. of things and just makes it malignant. They just basically, yeah. they totally screw up the whole idea of it. But at the end of the day, you have to say you're responsible for that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, and you're responsible. So like the Catholic church, like, yeah. Be responsible for this, moving the priests around yeah. and, you know, letting this go yeah. on. Just claim responsibility for it. Yeah. Not the teachings. No. But just claim the responsibility that the organization got fucked up. Mm -hmm. 
And these cults do the same thing yep. that all these major religions do. So they spend all this time trying to be the anti, trying to be the uh, the offset, the against portion of it. Right. And, and what they do is they form the same freaking group. It's just a different name, different rules, so on and so forth. Well, it's funny because when... Marianne and Robert broke up. Yeah. And they both tried to do their their own thing. Marianne ended up with a uh an an animal rescue. Like yeah. a it was an internationally recognized animal sanctuary. Animal Friends sanctuary. Animal Society. Yeah. Yeah. Which And I it's mean, like, you know, why couldn't you have just done that? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is all these folks, uh, from the core group, mm-hmm. you know, they all went and did good things, you know, authors, uh, writers, painters, mm-hmm. you know, um, psychic readers and, uh, some were in journalism, uh, you know, some were, uh, lawyers, yeah. you know, and things like that. Um, I think the funniest part of this whole thing is you've got Robert de Grimston that yep. everybody doted over. The Omega. The Omega, the one that started all of this mm-hmm. and got it going. Yep. Got everybody onto this idea mm-hmm. that you should be out gotta on the this. fringe. Gotta do that. You gotta be out on the fringe. You can't be of the the institution. Mm-hmm. Don't let the institution get you. And you know what he became in his life? An executive for a fucking telecoms company. Yep. He became the very thing that they all despised, yep. that they were all against. Yep. And that's when I see perfect harmony mm-hmm. in these freaking stories. Yeah. Perfect harmony yep. of it. You're and like, it's so Kee-hee. funny. Oh, yeah. But you see the programming. Like, that's why I don't want to promote these podcasts that had some of these members on here. Right. And there's one in specific that, like, I mean, this chick was just doting all over this guy. Mm-hmm. And they'd known each other for a long time or whatever. And and I'm I'm listening, and he's doing all of the cult things to like reel yeah her in, even though he's not promoting a cult, not nothing. It's just he's wired this way yeah. now for ten years. Yep. that's all he, you know what he's done, and mm-hmm. and it was ten years in his developmental part of his life. Right. Yes. You know, because I'm sorry, your early twenties, you're developing. Yeah. Yeah. You are developing. I really don't think. There's people that find their voice early in life. And we were talking about your brother, how he always wanted to be a fireman. Yes. Ever from the since, time he was two. From the time he was two. and Never changed. Never changed. Never unwavering. And everything no. he did yep. was in the path of being a fireman. Yep. You know, and and there's those types. And mm-hmm. let's just be honest. They're rare. Yes. One in, I'd say, a hundred that you encounter mm-hmm. are going to be like that. Yes. You know. Most then, are not. Yeah, most are not. And and so what you have is people wandering around till they find something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I tell to everybody, it's like, I think you don't really kind of have your shit together. And I say shit together, like you're starting to figure things out until 25. I, what, I'm in the process of getting a marriage annulled and I told the church member that I don't, I should, I don't think I should have been married at 25. I don't think I understood. 
I I mean I I knew what marriage was and I understood what it was, but mm-hmm. I didn't understand that by marrying the wrong person what the implications would actually yeah. be. Well, and I think this is the problem with marriage. For starters, when people have problems with marriage, they go to a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because science didn't invent marriage. No. Religion did. Correct. So if you have a problem with marriage, you might want to seek a religious type counselor. I'm not saying any specific thing, but right, the yeah. fact is, is religion will be able to speak on marriage in a different context Correct. than somebody who just went and did 80 credits worth of college right and cranked out a piece of paper you know yeah, and read all they're these going books to of, look at the spiritual impact yeah and marriage is all spiritual it is it's 99.9 percent spiritual yeah and and that's where that's why i honestly think marriage is failing yeah you know i mean we had talking to your cousin mm-hmm. and they Saw like three psychiatrists. Yeah, they saw three different counselors, all of whom essentially told them split eh, up. You know, you, I don't you guys, think it's gonna work I don't think you guys, guys are gonna make it. And they went to one, and they went to one, one religious, religious counselor. counselor. Yep, and they're great. Yeah, they're and fantastic. They said, you know what? We think we can help you. And they both just looked at each other like, "Freaking really?" Yeah. Well, and no, and that person said it. Like, I'm not saying like I invented this. Yeah, that person said it. It's like. Religion created marriage. Yes. It wasn't science. No. And I think re- I think marriage is something that science can't fix. You want to hear, you know, everybody's like, oh, science can fix everything. Mm. I'm like, science can fix a lot of things. Yeah. But anything spiritual, Mm-mm. anything like that, Mm-mm. science is lost in the mm-hmm. fucking wind. Mm-hmm. Because you have to suspend belief into something you can't touch, yep. something you can't see. Like the trust I have in you, mm-hmm. you can't measure it. You no. can't score it on a test. You can't do any of that. And that's the part of marriage and a relationship that science can't jiggle their way through. No. You know, and that's where I forgot where the fuck I was going with all this now. <laughs> I don't know either. No, Just but that it was their formative years. Yeah. It was they're, during their formative, their formative years. years. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, 25, oh, I know where I was going with all this. You know, 25, earlier in 25, and I'd say earlier in 30, you don't know fucking no. anything. Yeah. Being upper 40s where I am now, 20 years ago, there's a 20 years I went from being born to being in my 20s, and then there's being in your 20s to your fucking 40s. And you learn more from your 20s into your 40s. You do the most growth. From eight your times 20s over. Your 40s. Eight yeah. times over. You look back and you're like, I didn't know a fucking thing. Yeah. And the worst part is, is I sit there and I was like, and I thought I knew everything. You had the yeah. world by the ball. But what I was getting at when you were talking about marriage and how you mm-hmm. wish you never did it, we're in a different time now. We are. Where being married early was a necessity. It was a necessity yes. for families to stay going. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it from a pioneer's standpoint, yes. let's say, or even from a Victorian standpoint, it's mm-hmm. like you had to keep the family going. Right. Yes. And so that's where you had to get married soon. Mm-hmm. And the arranged marriages, I get that. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't go for that person you loved that was 
a stable boy. No. You know, because yeah. you had to line up with this guy who was connected. Yeah. The whole could... point was to put yourself in a better position. You were to take the burden off of your family. And if by making this arrangement with this yeah. other person, it could be mutually beneficial to both sets of families that's ultimately what the and it aim was, and the goal was. Yeah, and it wasn't about them at that time. No. It was the kids. Yeah. You were always thinking one, two generations ahead. Yep. How do we keep it going? Yeah. And now everything's changed. People are living longer. Mm -hmm. They're healthier longer. Yeah. You can make a lot of money doing things that are fairly innocuous mm -hmm. compared to what things used to be. Right. You know, I mean, before you either had to be a doctor, a banker, an accountant or lawyer, a lawyer, you mm -hmm. know, these like 10 things. Yeah. At best. Those were the 10 things that you could do to be amazing mm -hmm. and get money. And you still had to be savvy. And yep. that's why they had all these grooming classes of how to behave in public and yep. how to. The etiquette. The mm -hmm. etiquette, because all that freaking mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, if you farted in the middle of dinner, you were done yep you know maybe i don't know i wasn't there yeah but, i didn't take any etiquette but now classes. you know now it's different you could be in your 20s mm -hmm. let's say 25 and not have the pressure to have kids not have the pressure to have anything and you could have a child at 30 mm -hmm. and when that kid is 25 you're going to be 55 yeah and you know you're at an age that is still viable. Now, You're granted. You're still young enough to live your yeah. life. Now, granted, I'm not bashing people that get have kids younger because, I mean, they do have this advantage of youth and time. Correct. If they have their shit together. Correct. Which is another deal. It's a big if. Yeah. So this is where the ifs roll around. Mm -hmm. But the necessity to have kids has worn off. Yes. Because it's not about survival. It's mm -mm. not about keeping the farm going mm -mm. or keeping the family business mm -hmm. going. How many people have family businesses? Not many. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a different paradigm, mm -hmm. you know. And and this is where people, I think, are struggling in a way because it's been the same thing over and over and over again for thousands of years. And now it's different. Mm -hmm. It's not about keeping the family line going. You know, no. it's not about keeping the legacy. Yeah. I mean, unless you don't have to have 15 kids because guess what? Yeah. Eight of them weren't going to make it. Yeah. You know, I mean, now, granted, if you're a multimillionaire and mm -hmm. you had a business and mm -hmm. all that stuff, I could see where you'd look and be like, yeah, no, I want this family yeah. to keep enjoying this thing. But right. I'm just talking about regular middle, middle class to low class person. Yeah. There's no... There's no rush or, or priority to any of this stuff anymore. There shouldn't be you know? a rush or a priority yeah. to do that. Yeah. Like you should be able to take full advantage of your youth. Mm -hmm. Take the time to figure things out. Yeah. Try things. Now there's traps to, you can get to into. To be able to find out, you know, what your path is supposed to be. Well, I think now lends the time where it's actually not only plausible, but a reality that you can actually take your time and find the connection, mm -hmm. the person you're mm -hmm. into. Mm -hmm. And there's no pressure to deviate from that because of previous circumstances mm -hmm. I was just talking about. I think you and I are a great example of that. Yeah. We're a great example of the new age of relationships mm -hmm. where 
kids aren't a huge priority for us. Mm-mm. You know, um, I mean, there's bigger reasons why we don't have kids, but I'm just right, saying yeah. like, there's no impending need to have kids. Correct. There's this appreciation we have with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, that's different than 50 years ago. Yes. As soon as 50 years ago. Yeah. And all the way back to. Yeah. Going even further. The beginning of yeah. human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's where, yeah, I think marriage can, marriage is tough in that regard, but a spinoff of, you know, this isn't a marriage counseling podcast, maybe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, this, this call, I, I was so glad. Thanks Scott. Cause I never get to talk to you cause you're I, I knew half nothing a world about away. This. Thanks for turning so thank us you. on to this. And, uh, and it was great cause it was a different part of a cult that you could yeah. see, but still a cult. Yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. You know, so now. We get back to some old-fashioned murdering. We do. What's on next week, babe? Albert Fish. Albert Fish. Wow, guys. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a a legend. If in his you own way. even remotely have sensitive delicacies, yeah. Well, this is the that's wrong podcast that's for you. not the episode for you. That's <laughs> yeah. a this is the wrong wrong podcast. Uh, well. For, you know, you can have your sensitive, your sensitive sensibilities, but yeah, man, yeah, yeah, no, nah. it's um, yeah. My big takeaway with process here was that they were they were frustrated that p- they weren't looked in the right way, and, and I rem- they have no one to blame but themselves. No, no, and I just looked at that yeah. and I was like, congratulations! You know how it feels for every religious group yeah. alive today, yeah, because. You know, each group has their best intentions, mm-hmm. and then they have these outliers that just fuck everything up. Yeah, and that's where hey, congratulations. Yeah, you're you're part of a religious group now. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, good luck. You know, you should have just <laughs> followed your own rules. No, but also, Truth be told, like I said, just explain. You know, have some responsibility for those things and mm-hmm. say, yeah, no, it is part of the group. Unfortunately, and and people do these things and. I don't agree with it, but there it we is are. It is what it is, man. Yeah. So, as always, thanks for listening to us. Absolutely. Thanks for coming through. Uh, the the groups that, you know, the amount of uh, statistics that come piling in, we're, we're loving. Uh, apparently, yeah, a, guys, lot of you wow. are, a lot Thank of you are you. jumping aboard, and not only jumping aboard, but binging us. So, we're very, uh, very thankful for that. We're glad that uh, you guys enjoy it. We're going to keep cranking along with them welcome to our party it's yeah. lots of fun here and our recommendation every time or, or plea i should say is that uh if you could turn us on to someone you know yeah. we'd really appreciate it uh also if you could it means a lot to us it really does if you're on instagram or you're on facebook and we throw a post out for a new episode if you could just do a share and yeah. just a little blurb of hey uh, gotten into this podcast or I listen to this podcast, recommend Check it, it out. Check it out. If you um, like to talk or if you like Yeah. Odd, weird, historical. No, it just type really things. it really, really helps. You know, yeah. it really, really helps us a lot. Um you you guys have no idea. And uh with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. None? No. Even no. for the process here, no capes or robes. No. No. Yeah. What's the next one? No blood rituals. Yeah. 
no cults, nope. satanic or otherwise, you know, a lot of these would have helped the process. The process. Yeah, church. yeah, it would have been um, good optics wise. Number six, no apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in the world. Mm-hmm. Seven, don't let the black eyed children in. Please don't. Or talk to them or look at them. Yeah. You know, just no hablo inglés to the black eyed children. <laughs> and finally, just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I think the listen, um, you know, the the apathy one, of course, that's mm-hmm. a given. And I think even now in, in, in times today, just hear somebody out. Yeah. Lay your judgments aside. Don't hear them. I hate to get preachy. Listen. I do. I hate to get you preachy on it. to listen. Give them a chance. Yeah. I it just, I hate to get preachy, but we are a different generation than we today. Are. We're Gen Xers. Surprise if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> but like, yeah, our, our time growing up was way different. Yes. And, it, and it's hard for us in times like this because- We're cut from the cloth that you got to give somebody a shot. You got to give them a chance. And there's a lot of people that are asking for a chance, but they don't want to give anyone else a chance. They just want a chance for themselves. Yeah. And you can't live like that. No. We can't exist like this. No. You have to, if there's someone that you disagree with, you got to kind of sit in that disagreement. Yeah. And you've got to deal with it. Or here's a thought. Why don't the two of you just sit down and discuss what I'm saying before I'm saying before even discussing and talking about it, Mm -hmm. you have to sit with that disagreement because if you're unable to sit with that disagreement, you can't have a conversation with someone to understand them. It's step one. Yeah. Just sit there and go, okay, I disagree, but I'm going to do my best to untouch from my things Mm -hmm. and hear them out. And what you're going to find out is that that person is going to work every day, just like you are. Yep. They're struggling to pay bills or they're just struggling to connect with like family members and make time. They're they're trying to make time with their kids just like you are. They're trying to make time for their spouses like you are or, or friends. And they're realizing that time is short and valuable and they're trying to figure out the best way to spend it. They're making those big choices with money. You know, mm-hmm. do I do this or do I do that? And at the end of the day, yeah, they go to work. They do a job. They they get paid and they and they try to exist in the in the same world you're in Mm -hmm. so yeah the listen thing i know we say it cavalier but it's 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 a big step to where we need to be yeah because when we were kids people listened they did whether they liked it or not they listened they would let people air it out they'd let people discuss i think technology is a huge problem with that and that's why i like these longer form things of of podcasts and shows because it's allowing people to talk instead of these short stupid TikTok yeah five second snippets of yeah. things you that, need to have a, a yeah. longer attention span no it's a cancer but thanks for uh thanks for listening to us we really really love you our horror fanatics yes have a wonderful day a lovely week and make good choices take care <laughs>